You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. So surreal. So I'm a little nervous. I'm nervous. I'm shaking a little bit. I got it. I'll be all right. I'll figure it out. Um, let's talk about coming home. <laughs> all right. First time I came home to Juby's house. My wife's name is Juby, by the way. And it's important to know that my wife is Indian. All right. It's not just like a, a cred. It's like she is. And it, here's why it's important. Um, so the first time I ever went to her house, came home to her house, she was, we were still dating. She was in China and she was like teaching English in China. And I, I went to her house to, to meet her parents. I hadn't met her parents yet. So I went and I knocked on the door. And her parents, uh, you know, they answered and they had big smiles on their faces. It was wonderful. And they were like, hey, so nice to meet you. This is really, really great. You know, we love you. And I said, yeah, you know, this is wonderful. And they said, come and eat, eat. Now, you have to understand, like, Juby's mom is the best cook in the world. And I'm saying that objectively. Like, that's, 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 that's <laughs> legitimate. And so she's like, sit down and eat. So I eat. Food's amazing. Juby's dad is like, oh, you know, eat some dessert. So I'm like, all right, I, I eat a little bit of dessert. You know, I want to I make a good impression, right? Like, I want to marry Juby, right? And so, uh, so they say, I'll come to the living room. So I come to the living room, we sit down, we start chatting. It's really, really nice. We're having a great conversation. And then about a half hour into that chatting, I've been there for about an hour and a half, um, Juby's mom goes, well, it's been nice talking to you. Don't ever come back. <laughs> And I'm not kidding. That's really what she said. <laughs> she said, it's been nice talking to you. Don't ever come back. And I was like, don't ever come back. And I was like, I get it. I really love your daughter. I really want to marry your daughter. And she goes, that's nice. Don't ever come back. <laughs> and that was my introduction to home at Juby's house. <laughs> it makes you feel better now. They live about an hour and a half away. We drive down. Juby's mom makes my favorite food, not Juby's. <laughs> and uh, feeds me well, feeds the kids well, and uh, then tells us to come and lay on the couch, and then we all go and lay on the couch and, like, nap together for, like, a good two hours. <laughs> so it's truly become home. But that was my first coming home experience to Judy's house, y'all. That's it. I love that story. Yeah. I love, I love it, that story. Story. I asked him to tell that, actually, because <laughs> I, I do. I, I, love, I love that sort of coming home thing that, that we have, right? I remember the first time coming home um, after going away to college, right? So um, when I came home, all I really had with me was a bag of dirty clothes. <laughs> Do you have that slide? This is what it looked like. Wait a minute. That's not the one I said. What happened to the one? Well, you couldn't that even see. That looks you couldn't cleaner. even see me. Like everything was. But how did you not know the slide? All right. Whatever. <laughs> all right. But. I came home, I just had this laundry bag, didn't bother to bring anything else, and, you know, my chore when I was growing up, right, I always had to do the laundry. It was like always, it was never ending, there were four kids, 
never ending, always having to do the laundry, right? Mom was like, I'm not doing laundry anymore. You guys are old enough. But on this occasion, I came home with this big old laundry bag. My mom <laughs> hugs me. She takes the laundry bag. She goes down to the washing machine, and she's loading the, dish wa the, the washing machine, <laughs> smiling like a crazy person. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God, she's doing my laundry. Like, she was so happy to see me, to see me at home that, Mom, you remember that? You did laundry, Aww. smiling. Now, next time I went home, like, that wasn't going to be a, a <laughs> everyday occurrence. But I do remember that, that occasion. <laughs> and I'm thinking about a couple of different things. Um, besides singing home uh, from The Wiz, in The Wizard of Oz, believe it or not, I did a mashup. So it was The Wizard of Oz, but no other songs but The Wiz. And I played Dorothy. That was in the ninth grade. So I, I remember Diana Ross singing, when I think of home, I think of a place where there's love overflowing. But then I think about my first date with Todd. So he was walking me back to the Port Authority. I lived in Teaneck, New Jersey. We had our first date on 42nd Street at Soul Cafe. And it didn't dawn on me that we had been talking on the phone for like three, four weeks, and we never talked about our housing situation. So as he's walking me to the Port Authority, he's talking about where he lives, and then I'm coming to the realization, I'm gonna actually have to let him know where I live. So he's talking, talking, and then he goes, so tell me a little bit about your home. What's your place like? And I'm like, I actually live at home with my parents. <laughs> Which in our bubble was perfectly fine because all the suburban kids live in close to New York, a lot of us, we lived at home till like in our 30s. It was good, you know? But then I meet Todd and he's like, tell me about your home. And I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> I live with my parents. So I get home and I tell my mom and she's like, oh, oh, you should have just made up a story. You should have just said, your parents are actually living with you and you have this home oh. in Teaneck. <laughs> and wouldn't you know, 20 years later, I'm living with my parents, wouldn't you know? <laughs> so that's home, folks. So some of you guys like, you know, think about your homecoming experiences, right? The, the first time that you bring a in love interest home, right? Um, the first, uh, you know, first class reunion, first time you come back after graduating from high school and the reunion and, you know, the first one or the 10th one or the 20th one where everybody <laughs> just falls apart, <laughs> you know? Um, the first time that you came home to your own place, like you had your own keys and it was just you in your own place, like what that felt like. Um, the first time you shacked up with somebody. I don't know about <laughs> I never shacked up, but uh, some of y'all might have shacked up with someone. What was that like? It, all right, lying in the church. Okay. Um, <laughs> you're going to be struck down shortly. Don't smite me, oh holy smiter. Um, like the first time coming home as newlyweds, right? Like what is that like? You know, um, the first time coming home with your child, right? Being responsible. Some of you guys know what that's like. Some of you guys are about to find that out. It's the most beautiful and terrifying thing in the world, right? Those, those first times. Uh, what about the first time? After a loss, the first time you lost a game that you really cared about, or the first time that you coming home after um, you lost your job, mm -hmm. coming home after a divorce, coming home after losing a loved one, 
coming home after the craziness of September 11th, mm -hmm. right? Today, what was that like? Some people came home and that person was no longer there, right? No time to say goodbye. How do you find home mm -hmm. after death? Let's read Psalms 23. And if y'all want to read it with me, feel free. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. You lead me in right paths for your namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Amen. Amen. So I, I um, <laughs> there's messages I preached at Forefront that I forgot the second I got off the stage. <laughs> and I was like, that wasn't good. <laughs> and then there's other messages that, like, have stayed with me for years. Like, absolutely years. And, and I did a message a few years back on Psalm 23 that has stayed with me forever. Um, it was so powerful for me anyway. And, and I don't know about you, but Psalm 23 has always felt like a, a juxtaposition, right? We, when, do we, when do we say this? We say this when there's grief. We say it when there's death. We say it when there's pain. And all of a sudden, the it opens up like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So, so God's like going to sustain me, or God's going to help, or God's going to give me abundance. God makes me lie down in green pastures. God makes me lie before still waters, right? Now, I don't know about you. What do you think of when you think of green pastures and still waters? Like, raise your hand if you've been to, like, a national park, right? <laughs> How many people have seen, like, that beautiful meadow and there's the river running through the beautiful meadow? You know what I'm talking about? And that's what I think about all the time. And I'm like, you know, grief, death, that does not feel like a happy, beautiful meadow with a river running through it. No, it doesn't feel mm -hmm. that way. So what, how do we make peace with, like, in the midst of grief that God is leading us in this place? But what I always say about Scripture, I always say about Scripture, culture and context matter. Mm -hmm. So the writer of this psalm, Psalm 23, isn't talking about, like, these beautiful green pastures and beautiful, like, rivers running through it because there's no such thing mm -hmm. in the Near East, right? Mm -hmm. So what does a pasture look like in the Near East? What would a shepherd be doing all day in the Near East? Did you want to throw up that slide? This is what it looks like. That's what green pastures <laughs> look like <laughs> in the Near East where this author was writing. And what I learned is this, right? What a shepherd does is a shepherd's going to take those sheep through that desert, and they're going to walk, and they're going to come across just a few tufts of grass. That's what happens. And so what that shepherd does is take some of those sheep, takes them to those few tufts of grass. The sheep eat just enough to be sustained. And then they look for more tufts of grass. They walk through the desert looking through more tufts of grass, and then they get just enough just to be sustained. And then still waters is even worse because still waters is not the beautiful running river. Mm -hmm. Still waters is, is you, you have to kick over rocks. The shepherd literally spends the entire day kicking mm -hmm. over rocks. And you kick over a rock and you hope that there's a puddle that is left in that rock because of some condensation, maybe a little bit of rain that came. And what that shepherd does is bring a couple of sheep over to this little puddle underneath a rock and says, drink. And it's just enough. It sustains mm -hmm. you. And then you walk through the desert some more. You kick over some more rocks a little bit, just enough. And I remember reading about this and like my life changing, being like, oh my God, this is grief. Like when God, when we're in grief, when we're coming home after grief, it's not like abundance and beauty and green pastures. It's walking through the desert. 
And then you hope that you are led to just enough to be sustained. This past year, y'all, was the hardest year of my life. Like, ridiculously hard. And um, the reason it was different, uh, like, ridiculously hard is because I left this place, and as soon as I left, literally the minute I got back home, all of a sudden I'm dealing with this, these two competing feelings. One is relief. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I felt a ton of relief. I was like, oh, that's done. And then a ton of grief. Just grief beyond grief beyond grief. Like, I'm no longer a part of this thing. I'm no longer a part of what I created. Oh, my God, I'm so relieved that I'm no longer a part of this thing I created. And I'm no longer a part of it. And I'm fighting this. And so if I've seen you in the past year, like, you've sort of been like, what's wrong with Jonathan? Well, part of it is me going, okay, I am a part of this. I'm not a part of this. These are the people, and I was a part of it with them. But now I'm not the pastor that I used to be, so where do I stand in this whole thing? And while you're telling me about your life, that's what's going through my head. I'm thinking about all of that. And then to top it off, I couldn't get a job. It was crazy. I got a verbal offer for a job while I was still at Forefront. I was like, great, I'm going to take this job. And then I left Forefront, and they go, oh, by the way, that job is no longer available. And then I spent the next three months hearing, oh, my gosh, you have so many wonderful experiences, but you're not experienced enough in this, so we can't hire you. Or we can hire you, but we can hire you at X amount of dollars that wouldn't even come close to, like, feeding my family. So here I was, Jonathan, up on the stage, doing the things I love to do, having a voice, not having that any longer, feeling immense grief and immense relief, not knowing what to do with that, not being able to find a job, living off savings, and sitting here going, what am I doing with my life right now? Who am I? I don't even know who I am any longer. And then there'd be a tuft of grass. Somebody would call. Hey, man, how you feeling? My buddy who left his church that he founded a year before I did. I say, I'm feeling angry today. He go, yeah, that's super normal, man. Feel angry today. Call me the next day. How you feeling today? I'm sad. How you feeling? Thank God I don't work at that church anymore. <laughs> Lots of different feelings. And him calling every day was that, like, sustainable. It was just enough. In the midst of what felt like desert, just enough. And then another buddy, right, would call, hey, Jonathan, I know you're still looking for a job. I have a job for you. It's not what you want to do. But listen, it'll help for now. It'll pay the bills. Right, kicking over a rock, finding just a little bit to be sustained. And I thank, I'm thankful for that friend. I got to work at that place for three months while working for the thing, looking for the thing I wanted to do. And when after three months, when I said, hey, it's time for me to go, he said, that's what I thought. I'm glad you stuck around this long. And in this process of grief, because I think it's still there. It's, it, it hasn't quite gone away yet. Like, I don't want to be like, everything's back to normal. It's not. Amen. But... What I believe wholeheartedly and more so than anything else is that when God talks about leading us through the desert, through that grief, I believe that there's just enough. And so I keep looking out for the just enough, the tufts mm -hmm. of grass, the kicking over rocks. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I, Amen. You know, I, I remember, you know, after, um, after my husband passed, the whole staff came to see me. I mean, you know. So many of you guys came to see me, you know, Jonathan and Juby. Juby climbed up on the couch and just, like, enveloped me, you know. Like, there was so much comfort and so many people there. But coming to that house, walking up those stairs, knowing that he's not there, mm -hmm. that was so hard. Mm -hmm. It was really hard. Um, but I had to do it, right? You have to keep going, right? And I just remember the staff coming over 
and Manida just started singing this song to me, right? Don't feel discouraged. Joy comes in the morning. Know that God is nigh. Stand still and look up. God is going to show up. God is standing by. There's healing for your sorrow. Healing for your Angela, when I sang that song, I knew how raw it is. It was. And I was a little reluctant to sing it, but I felt the Holy Spirit telling me that that was the song, not because you had been open to receiving full healing in that moment mm -hmm. because everything was so raw, but it was a song of hope and encouragement to know that God would eventually heal you and give you the grace that you needed to get through this season. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, I, I, I didn't feel the healing right then, mm -hmm. but I was comforted by it, right? You don't necessarily have to be in that space, right? You can still be in your grief and, and find comfort still in your grief. So that did, it ministered to me. It was a little rock. Right, just a little bit to sustain me, to help me get through. And I thought about that so many different times. A few weeks later, I had gone to a BIV concert, and that's one of the songs mm. that they sung. Mm. You know, mm. it's just like another affirmation of, you know, it's coming. Mm -hmm. Amen. Just yeah. hold on, yeah. stand still, and look up. God is going to show up. Yeah. You'll find God in different, in different ways. Right. Um, through different people, through different experiences, right? Um, you know, a few weeks ago, you preached about um, a 
about the, the man whose son ne needed to be healed. He had like unclean spirits or you know, more like mm -hmm. epilepsy or something like that, right? And so they were trying to, the disciples that tried to heal him, they couldn't do it. Jesus came and he's like, how many times am I have to do this? When are you going to get it right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Jesus rolled his eyes at the disciples, <laughs> you know, right? And so, you know, he says to this man, if you believe, yes. then it can happen. So the man was like, I believe. Help my unbelief, yeah. right? Because, and that's how we are. I wanted to believe, and I did, I still do believe that, that God is, is there. I do believe that everything's possible. I do believe that I, 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 I can get through. But like in these days, I do, I feel sometimes like I'm going crazy, right? I trust God, yet I'm angry at God, mm -hmm. right? I know everything is going to be okay, but everything sucks. You know, like, like yeah. all of these different <laughs> things that Surreal. are going through your head yeah. at the same time, you know? And I would think I'm a fool for believing, and then I think I'm a fool for doubting, right? Like all of these things, all of these things can exist, and all these things serve some sort of purpose in us moving through this grief and I say moving through it because it's not something that's finite it's not something that's going to necessarily end or go away mm. it's always gonna it's always gonna be there but you gotta find a way somehow you keep going and you find that you can make it through there's this um quote that Vicki Harrison um I found that Vicki Harrison made that really resonates with me, with, with what I was feeling. She says, grief is like the ocean. It comes on waves, ebbing and flowing. What's happening with the children down there? They are having a good, so having a good time. Yeah, they, yeah. Have, they got the Holy Spirit, I think. Right? <laughs> All right. Yeah. They having Pentecost downstairs. Yeah, I don't know if y'all can hear it, but I hear there's some that happiness. Good. That sounds good. Right? Yeah. All right. Keep them happy. That's, it, the, right. that's, the, that's the rock. It's the bomb. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. It's the bomb, yeah, right? Yeah. Things are happening, you know, and life goes on. People were having babies. People are still having. We are a fertile church. <laughs> <laughs> if I wasn't of a certain age, I'd be nervous. You know what I mean? Like, we are a fertile church. Like, so all of these things are happening, right? And there are children being born. Life goes on. There's hope. What? I'm, you know listen, I we're, know. A, fertile, you know we're right. a fertile church. Right. We are. We are. We're very fertile. Very fertile. So... One, you better make sure you have all your P's and Q, you know, dot your I's and whatever you got to do because fertile, fertile. I, d I didn't know this was going to turn into like a middle school health class. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> well, we did have one last week too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know, we keep it real. We keep it real. But, you know, like this whole thing. Oh, yeah, the quote. Mm -hmm. All right. Let me bring it in. Bring it in. All right. So she says that grief is like the ocean. It comes in waves, ebbing and flowing. Sometimes the water is calm, and sometimes the water is overwhelming. And all we can do is learn to swim. Amen. And I just yeah. feel like once we learn to maneuver in the waters of our emotions, you know, speaking about the kids, I'm just, I'm reminded of a famous line in Finding Nemo, just keep swimming. Right? Just, just keep swimming. swimming. Just keep swimming. Right? Right. Amen. That's all you, all you can do. You mm -hmm. just hold on. Right? And just 
and just keep going, right? How do we hold on to our faith when God seems to tell us no, mm. right? How do we, you know, like Jonathan, how did you, how did you preach? How were you able to preach and do the eulogy, you know, for Pierre? And like, you know, how did how did things change for you, you know, as you read the twenty third Psalm? With the, I know you had had people that had passed away before, but like, you know, like you were asked not only while you were still processing the loss of your friend, you had to get up and and preach and give, you know, give some hope. How, how do you do that? Um, Pierre, a lot of times, was the, it was um, uh, like the grass or the, or the, the water, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's a sense in like, I think, I think um, uh, how, how do I best say this? Embrace the desert. That was one of those times I just had, we just had to embrace, I, mm -hmm. I, I'll speak for me, I had to just embrace that this was miserable. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be miserable for a good long while. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a lot of desert. Um, and, and I think when I read that, I just kind of, I kept going back to that, you know, that slide, whatever. And mm -hmm. I, I kept thinking, um, you're going to walk through here for a bit. And a lot of people in this room are going to walk through here for a bit. And, um, and that's going to be okay. And I think that's the bottom line. I think, I think what ends up happening is I think, I think we're like, well, this, we're not supposed to feel this way. I'm supposed to be better. I'm supposed to, if I truly believe, well, then this would have right. happened. Right. And I think there's a sense in which having to give that at my friend's funeral was going, no, we're supposed to be in mourning. We're supposed to be in grief. We're supposed to be in desert. And this is okay. It's all right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you keep going. You went to officiate a wedding. Right I went to that, officiate a wedding right, right after that. Yeah. Lots of juxtaposition, lots right. of weird things, lots right. of weird tensions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. But I think, like, in the midst of that, like, in the midst of knowing you're in this desert space, like, this is going to sound funny. You want, you, like, the thing that gives me, like, hope or the thing that I keep reminding myself, like, in the midst of, like, the difficulty, just keep swimming, the desert, whatever, uh, is 1 Kings 19, because we all know that, right? <laughs> yeah. You all know First Kings 19. Some of you are like, I, I do, know. I do. But can you remind them? Yeah. Reminds everyone. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I know. I see a couple of you are like, first not, what is that? Is that in the Bible? <laughs> first Kings 19, there's this prophet named Elijah. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of Elijah before. Elijah has to do like this really terrible, dreadful work. People die. Then somebody comes back to him and says, the way you killed those people, you should know that we're going to try to kill you. And so he goes and he goes, God, I'm miserable. I hate this. I'm grieving. I just want to die. That's what, that's what Elijah says. <laughs> and an angel shows up. And the angel points over and he's like, there's some food over there. Eat it and then take a nap. <laughs> and so then Elijah eats the food and takes a nap. And he's like, I feel better. <laughs> Never underestimate the power of a snack and a nap, my friends. <laughs> Especially in the midst of grief. And I think with <laughs> what I... <laughs> Why I think that matters is because it's just about self-care, right? I, I, think, yeah. I think there's, there's a, this past year, uh, there's a lot of bad habits I got myself into. And, and really a, a mindset of like moving through grief to look for the next thing mm -hmm. um, has been about taking care of self. And sometimes that does mean a snack and a nap. Sometimes mm -hmm. it means prioritizing the gym. It means not picking up my phone and scrolling mm -hmm. first thing in the morning. It means like meditating or doing something mm -hmm. else. So, so I hang, I've been hanging on to that as a way to, to see myself through. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. What about the yeah. two of you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking about, you know, 
everything that you went through with Pierre, right, and how that um, allowed you to minister to me. So in terms of self-care, in the moment when I lost my nephew, um, Todd and I lost our nephew, 22 years old, four days before his 23rd birthday. You know, we were struggling. Um, we just needed all sorts of care. And I decided to call a friend <laughs> in the person of Jonathan Williams because <laughs> I remembered what you experienced with Pierre's home going. And the only person that God laid in my spirit was you. Mm. And I gave you a call because the family had asked me to be the worship leader for the day. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, sidebar, whenever people pass in our families, I'm usually either asked to sing or do a eulogy or just participate. And it was so hard for me to do because we were very close with our nephew. And um, Jonathan, you comforted me in that moment. And I appreciated you helping me turn over the rock mm -hmm. and helping me to ultimately say yes, because I was still a little betwixt and between. Wasn't sure if I was actually going to do it. I was so heavy in talking to you. And I just thank you for your prayers. And I was able to get through it by the grace of God. And, um, but that phoning a friend and just calling someone who cares about you, who has experienced the same type of situation, yeah. um, is always able to help. Yeah. Most definitely. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, I've, I've said a million times, like, there are days when we might not believe in God. There are days where that doesn't make any sense. And maybe some of you are sitting out here going, I don't know if I believe in God today. That's super cool. But you know why the church still matters? It still matters because you get to call that person. Mm -hmm. Because there's somebody who's gone through it. Mm -hmm. Because there's somebody who sits next to you. Because mm -hmm. there's somebody that crawls up <laughs> and, and lays with you. Somebody yeah. who sings for you. Yeah. And I think that's the power of, yeah. that's the power of, of, of the shepherd, right? Yeah. It's more so that. And that's, that's how we, that is how we find God, right? That's how we feel God, you know? Like, I think sometimes we're thinking, oh, there's going to be a voice from the mountains, you know what I mean? And it's like, we are God's representatives here. We are God, and we minister to someone. I remember calling my, my friend Mary, who had just like three months before had this sort of same thing happen, where she lost her husband and calling her and, and, and talking with her and just, you know, like doing that or... or or reading different books, you know, or just vegging in front of the TV, watching the most ridiculous show that I would yeah. never <laughs> watch before, right? So it's these little, these little things, and it doesn't always have to be something so holy, or yeah. right? You know what yeah. I mean? That you can find something that that gives you that little bit of nourishment that you need, so that you can you can go forward, you know, mm -hmm. like hearing people's stories, hearing people's experiences, you know, and, and, and of course, you know, I mean, of course, music is what we, is how I really mm -hmm. find home, yeah. you know, how I, how I tap into that thing. So many songs from when I was, when I was a little girl, you know, through, through now when I'm a, a young woman and you know like you know and like these things that bring back memories or like sort of put you in this space even though you're not really emotionally in this space but you get that feeling right mm -hmm. and there's so many so many songs that are like these up-tempo fun songs but it's really heavy things you know that the person that wrote it was going through something really heavy right you guys know that song um what is it the what is it Lorette? the strange little bug or like a, a Numb little bug, <laughs> like that song. Like wow. I, I don't know, you guys should you should listen to it. But it's like it's very catchy, right? You know. But it's really talking about.
feeling numb, dealing with anxiety, dealing with, you know, being medicated and, you know, wanting to feel certain ways and all these things. And it's so catchy. You might miss it. But it's like all these, there, there are people that can hear that and can relate to that and feel like somebody sees them and hears them, right? Why did they write it? Because they were going through something like that, mm-hmm. right? So we love, you know, Jesus can work it out. Have you guys, any, any of you know that song? All right. So you yeah, want to try it? Because ultimately, right? yeah. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. We know that Jesus will work it out. Right. So, so that problem that I had, I, had, I just couldn't seem to solve. To solve. I tried and I tried, I tried but I just couldn't get involved. involved. So I turned it over to Jesus, Jesus. and I stopped worrying about, about it. it. Turn it over to the Lord, he, he worked it out. Oh. Jesus can work it out. 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 That pain would not move. Not move. Had me praying in the upper room. Upper room. That burden that I bore. I bore. Just wondering how much more. Much more. So I turned it over to Jesus. To Jesus. And I stopped worrying about it. About it. Turn it over to the Lord. He worked it out. Oh, yeah. Work it out. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like, the song goes on. It's just like, you say you got a laugh like Bill do. Say you got a gas bill too, right? Tell the work it out. Disconnect. Right? Like, all these Waiting for things. the next page. That's right, right? All of these things, right? So somebody knows what that's like, and they wrote that in the midst of going through those things. It doesn't feel good, but... They kept telling themselves, Jesus can work it out. Doesn't that feel better than being like, oh, no, I'm not going to make it. I can't do it. You know, you know, like, you have to sometimes speak life to yourself. Mm-hmm. Speak life to yourself when you're going through something. Speak life to yourself when you're still not sure. Because that's how you find home. And I know this corny to wrap in the whole the whiz thing the home (laughs) right dorothy finds out that home was within her all along right yeah whatever well done (laughs) way to wrap that all right benediction (laughs) i mean it's true we have what we need within us and sometimes we get so so wrapped up in looking for something outside of us to help us and it's right there all along. We are never by ourselves, even when we're with ourselves. There's always somebody thinking about you. There's always somebody yeah. praying for you. There's always something coming your way that'll be that green pasture, that will be that <coughs> sip of water to sustain you. All you have to do is just Keep breathing. Keep breathing, right? Reach out to somebody. If you're struggling, reach out to somebody. Call, phone a friend, right? Read a book, you know, put on a song, right? Do, Do something, but just keep going. Do not give up. Keep on swimming. Ask somebody to pray for you. Ask somebody to pray with you. 
okay? We really believe in prayer at forefront. And I think that, I can't remember, but, you know, like, if people have been putting prayer requests, I hope you guys are putting prayer requests in the comments section. And even those of you that are out here, if you have something that you want to be prayed for, you can go ahead and put it in the comment section. Go on our, our Facebook page or YouTube, and you can put those prayer requests in, and he will pray for those things, not only today, but throughout the week. We do check them. I feel like prayer is the thing that really makes it possible, makes it possible to get through what seems impossible, right? And we don't have, I guess the end thing is we don't have a clear answer, right? We talk about how at Forefront we're more interested in good questions than having all the right answers, right? So basically, we're just sharing what works for us and how how we as a community have made it mm -hmm. through or making it through working through those things and finding home finding home in any situation um, there's a song God is my all in all and I think that's we want it how we want to end in this um, and yeah type in your prayer requests and just open open your hearts open your hearts and let that healing be open for that healing God is the joy and the strength of my life Removes all pain, misery, and strife. God promised to keep me, never to leave me. Will never, ever come short of their word. I've got to fast and pray, stay in the narrow ways. Keep my life clean. Every day, I want to go with them when they come back. I've come too far, and I'll never turn back. God is, God is, God is. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.